Thank you, thank you, musicians. Church family, I'd like to uh, ask you now to turn in your Bibles to Genesis. Genesis chapter 39, please. And I want to ask you to take your message outline from your bulletin, which says Joseph, part six. If you don't have a bulletin, slip your hand up and the ushers will pass a message outline to you if you would like to have one. Amen. As you're turning in your Bibles there, I would like to let our radio listeners know and internet listeners know that there's going to be a, a wonderful, wonderful tour to Israel, Turkey, and Greece, October 14th through the 27th of this year. It'll be a great spiritually enriching time, and we want to obviously invite not only our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family, but we want to invite radio listeners to feel free to take part in this great spiritual journey. And we want to invite our radio listeners to a special information session on Monday, February 24th, Monday, February 24th at 7 p.m. here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue. Our wonderful associate minister, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar, along with Pastor Michael Kahn, will be leading this uh, fantastic tour to the Holy Land and beyond. And so we want to invite you to Monday, February 24th at 7 p.m. for a major session uh, in terms of getting all the information needed, the cost, and what all will be involved. Amen? All right. Well, there were three men, three men out in the wilderness, and they came across this violent, raging river. They obviously wanted to get to the other side. The first man prayed and said, God, please give me the strength to make it across. Give me the strength to make it across. Well, poof. God gave him extra strong swimming arms and extra strong legs, and he was able to swim across this great river in, in two hours, two hours. Well, the second man, the next man prayed and said, God, please give me the strength and the tools. Give me the strength and the tools to make it across this great river. Poof! God gave him a boat, and he was able to row across the river in about 30 minutes. Then the third man spoke and prayed. Third man said, God, please give me the strength, the tools, and the intelligence, and the intelligence to make it across. Poof! God turned him into a woman. <laughs> and that woman looked at the map. <laughs> that woman looked at the map, hiked five minutes up the bank of the river, and walked across this big bridge. 
All right. I, I think some woman like my wife wrote that joke. Amen. Well, the story of Joseph is the story of a young man who at the age of 17 experienced such a high degree of jealousy and rejection by his brothers that they literally wanted to kill him. The story took place back in Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, Palestine, and Syria. And scholars, scholars have studied in great detail and feel like it probably took place around 1600 to 1700 BC. Now fortunately, instead of killing Joseph, his brothers decided to sell him as a slave. And eventually Joseph was taken to Egypt by Ishmaelite traders where he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Genesis 29, second part of verse 1 says, Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. While working as a slave in Potiphar's home, we discover how Potiphar was, was so impressed with Joseph's skills that he put Joseph in charge of his entire household. Something very bad happened, however, and later... In verse 20, it says, He, Potiphar, took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Let's pick up the story in Genesis 39, where it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. I never thought many women do that, but this one did. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Verse 8. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. 
when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Verse 13. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and uh, he had fled, she called out to his servant, to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought th this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left this cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you, you've brought here into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Just gets me upset hearing her lie like that, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you upset? Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Amen. Well, my friends, let's discover some incredible lessons from the, the portion of Scripture that we, we just read. Our first lesson today is this. And for those of you taking notes, you can see it on the big screen, and you can fill in your blanks accordingly. First truth is this. The Lord is with us when things are going well, and the Lord was, is with us in our very difficult times. Uh, you can see in the first few verses of Genesis, uh, verses 2 through 6, that things were going well for Joseph as a slave in Potiphar's house. And then by the end of the story, Genesis 39, verses 19 through 23, we're told that Joseph was put in prison. Uh, look, at, look at verses 2 and 3, where it says, read it with me, would you? The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And then look at the verses later, uh, verse 21, for example, Read it out loud with me. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. My friends, I'm bringing to your attention this truth, this truth of the Lord is with you when things are going well, and the Lord is with you when you're going through a very difficult time, because there is a tendency... There's a tendency for many of us to think that when we are going through a hardship, when we're going through a, a, a difficult time, God is not with us. Sometimes people say, you know, God has forgotten me. He's not with me. That, that's not true. 
the good news is when you're a follower of Jesus, when your heart is devoted to the Lord, the good news is the Lord is with you. He is with us. For several weeks now, we have been asking you to pray for a little four-year-old boy named Ben. Suddenly and unexpectedly, little Ben, just uh, before Christmas, little Ben needed to have a liver transplant at the Sick Children's Hospital downtown. Fortunately, his dad was a match, and a major operation was performed in which Ben's father gave 25% of his liver to his son. But by the way, the, the father's liver will regenerate back to its normal size over a period of several months. Nevertheless, both the father and the son went through and are still going through um, a, a, a tough time. They went through a major operation to save young Ben's life. I think the little boy was in surgery from about 9 a.m. in the morning till 10 p.m. at night, if I recall, and his dad was in surgery from around 9 a.m. till about 4 or 5 in the afternoon. So it's been a, a, a real challenge. It's been a difficult time. And, and Ben's father is still having quite a bit of pain from the surgery, which doctors said uh, he could expect, as usually happens in these kinds of operations. While I was visiting with little Ben and his dad and mom this week, I was very glad to, to biblically say to them, and honestly say to them, I said, my friends, the Lord was with you when things were going well before Ben got sick. The Lord was with you because they are followers of Christ. And I want you to know that the Lord, the Lord is still with you and Ben and your family during this very difficult time. Amen? I just wanted to remind them that the Lord was with them. And, and they spoke to me and, and told me of how they had felt the Lord's presence in different ways over these challenging weeks. My friends, some of you here in the sanctuary today and others listening by radio or on the internet might also need to hear this good news that the Lord is with you through your difficult time. May you also find encouragement from the Lord when he speaks through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2 and 3, where the Lord says this. He says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. Amen? Amen. All right. There's a second lesson I want to direct your attention to from Genesis 39, and it is this. Second lesson. Sometimes we have to fight off sexual temptations. Verses 6 through 18 tell us of how Joseph had to fight off Potiphar's wife. Now, don't any of you stop listening. Some of you, some of you maybe need to hear this truth more than you realize. Look at how the story unfolds beginning at the second half of verse, of verse 6. 
Here's what it says. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when uh, he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. All right. What do you call a woman like that? What, what do you call a woman like that? Do, do you call her a, a, a cougar? <laughs> you know? I, I looked up the word cougar. It says, a cougar is an older woman seeking a sexual relationship with a younger man. Do you call her a tiger? I don't know. Uh, by the way, when I looked up the word cougar, I, I learned something new. I learned something new. Most of you probably don't know this. I didn't know it. A woman, a woman that, that is the older version of a cougar, meaning older than 60, is, actually, <laughs> is, a, is actually called a saber tooth. A saber tooth. S-A-B-E-R-T-O-O-T-H. You probably didn't know that, did you? No. Well, here, you learned something. <laughs> I didn't know it either. Sabretooth. Johnny? <laughs> Got to watch the sabretooths, brother. <laughs> All right. Now, now to, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, fortunately, fortunately, I, I have not known I have not known many women over the years like Potiphar's wife, although, although in talking with, with a female pastor this week, not Pastor Lisa, so don't blame her, but in talking with another female pastor this week, this female pastor friend told me there are more women like Potiphar's wife than I am aware of. That, that surprised me. I don't know how she knew this. I don't know. You know, verse 6 says, verse 6 says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. That describes some of you guys here, right? Joseph was a handsome and well-built young man. I, um, I, I guess I have never been handsome enough or well-built enough to have to fight off cougars or saber-tooths. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> oh, my wife, my wife there said, uh, I'm good enough for her. <laughs> okay, she scores a few brownie points there. 
<laughs> she's still messing me up because I, all these years I'm accustomed to her sitting on that side of the sanctuary. Now she's sitting on that side, which is fine. But I, I just wondered, did she have some kind of fight with some of you folks in that section? <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad, I'm glad she didn't have any fight with you. That, that's good. All right. Well, my friends, in the story of Joseph, obviously it was a married woman who was making inappropriate advances towards Joseph. We all know, of course, that probably more often men, more often men make inappropriate advances towards women. And the truth is whether we are a man or a woman, sometimes we have to fight off sexual temptations. So here are a few ideas from the story of Joseph which can help you and me and can help Johnny. <laughs> just kidding, Johnny, just kidding. Okay, here are some ideas which can help, help any of us fight off sexual temptations. And if you have the notes, uh, you can fill in your blanks as we proceed here. All right, here are some ideas. A, remind yourself that someone is trusting you. In verse 8, it says, Look, he, Joseph, told her, My master trusts me. So he said to this woman, Look, my master trusts me. Maybe, maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's your wife, or husband, or children, or mother, or father, who are trusting you, and you don't want to lose that trust. Amen? All right, here's another idea, point B. Remind yourself that what you have could be lost if you give in to the temptation. The first part of verse 9 says, no one here has more authority than I do. That's what Joseph said. He said, no one here has more authority than I do. Joseph ran, obviously, the risk of losing the authority that Potiphar had given to him. And you and I could lose a whole lot more. We could lose our family, our reputation, our job, our friends, and whatever else, right? We're talking about some ideas from Joseph that can help us fight off sexual temptations. This can apply to those that are younger and older as well. Point C, remember that sexual sin is not just between two consenting adults. It is an act of disobedience against God. Verse 9 says, latter part, how could I do, Joseph is speaking, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. All right? Here's another idea that can help. Point D. Try to avoid the person who is a serious temptation. Verse 10 says, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. He kept out of her way as much as 
possible. In other words, he really tried to avoid this woman. My friends, if someone, for example, is a temptation to you at work, do simple things like don't sit. Don't, don't sit at the same table with him or her at break time or at lunchtime. Don't accept rides from him or her, even if you have to take the bus. All right? Avoid that person. Here's another point of help, E. On occasion, it is best to run from the person tempting you. Verses 11 and 12 say, why don't you read it with me out loud? One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She, Potiphar's wife, came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Sometimes you got to run, baby, run. Right? You got to run. You got to take off. And for those of you who are wondering what a cloak is, I put in a little definition there. It's an outdoor overgarment, typically sleeveless, that hangs loosely from the shoulders. Okay? I, I'm sure you feel the same way that we, we have to commend, don't we? We commend Joseph for running. He certainly did the right things, didn't he? And that's, that's very admirable. Let's go to point F. Still talking about things that can help us. F. Remember that a person who doesn't get their way and gets angry can cause you a lot of unnecessary trouble. Can cause you a lot of unnecessary trouble. And in verses 13 through 18, you can see, you can see how this, this, this woman, Potiphar's wife, lied. What, you know, how do some people put it? Lied through her teeth? You know? I don't know how that expression ever came about, but I mean, she just totally lied. And as I read that, it just bugs me. I, I get upset, I think. Woman, at least tell the truth. You know? Ladies and men, don't lie. And don't make up stories about someone because you didn't get your own way. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Point G, don't have too much free time on your hands. Potiphar's wife had too much free time on her hands. All right? She had a lot of slaves doing the work around the house. She probably didn't have to do anything. She wondered what to do with her time. What's the old saying? Idle hands are what? Idle hands are the devil's tools. Or some would say idle hands are the devil's workshop. Okay? Now, it's not just sexual temptations that we have to overcome. There are many other kinds of temptations. They come up now and then with you, with me, with, with all of us. Now, the good news is... 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. Here's the good news. Read it out loud 
with me. What a, a beautiful portion of scripture this is. All right? Now, all of you can read, so read it with me. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you see brackets NLT, that just means I'm quoting the New Living Translation. Okay? That's, that's what was happening. He will. He will provide a way out, says the word of God. Let me now take us to a third lesson, and it is this. Take time to hear what happened from both people, both sides, before making a decision and taking action. We read in uh, verses 19 and 20, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, how she um, falsely said he tried to rape her, okay? So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. What bothers me here is Potiphar didn't take time to hear Joseph's side of the story. Does it bother you? I would think so. Now, Potiphar must have been a very intelligent man for him to have served as captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You usually don't get into high places like that unless your head is screwed on right. Okay? Yet, there is no record. There is no record of Potiphar going up to Joseph and saying, Joe, what, what is your side of this crazy story? What, what happened according to you? I got my wife's version. You know, sometimes even smart people do dumb things. Oh, yeah? Okay. If you are a parent and your son or daughter has had a dispute with their brother or sister or with a friend or a student at school, take time to hear both sides of the story before you take action. All right? Take time. It's amazing how the versions can be so different. If you are a teacher, vice principal, or principal, take time to hear all, so, so, uh, all sides of the story in your school setting before, before you act. If you are a supervisor or a manager in a store or an office or in a factory, and someone comes complaining to you about another employee or a customer, make, make, sure, make sure you get everyone's side of the story before you take action. Amen? I'm sure some of you have been in situations where, where you just were so bothered because, because you were not given a chance to really tell your side of the story, to, in fact, to tell the truth of what happened. Isn't that right? 
That's true. Someone is still suffering from whatever happened, right? I remember how years ago, when we were still in our previous church building, I, I stepped out, I stepped out of the side entrance of the church. And, and just as I stepped out, I, I saw a boy who was maybe 10, 11, or 12 years old. I saw him there in the, in the parking lot. Just as I stepped out, and I, I just saw him, George, take these bottles and boom, boom, boom. And he just broke them to bits right in our church parking lot. Uh, I mean, he, he did this before I had a chance to even say anything uh, or run over. Anyway, as soon as I saw him do, do that, I ran over. I ran over. And I said, young man, why in the world did you just break these bottles? Um, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, someone can get hurt by this broken glass or people can get a flat tire. Why would you do this? Oh, I, I don't know, sir. And I said, well, don't you think it'd be a good idea for you to clean it up? I said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and get a, a broom and a, and a dustpan or a little shovel, whatever I can find, and I'm going to ask you to clean it up. That was reasonable of me, wasn't it? Right? So I went and got the, um, the broom and the dustpan and, and a bag uh, and probably uh, a box in which to put the bag in, you know. So I, I said, okay, go ahead and, and clean it up, please. So he cleaned it up. And after, it, it took a while because it was a lot of glass. And after he... He finished, uh, there, there was more glass, uh, I don't know, about 10 yards away. He, he said, do you want me to clean that up as well? And, and I said, well, um, I don't think you broke that, did you? I didn't see you do that one. And he said, no, I didn't. I said, no. I said, you be responsible for what you did, and I'll clean up that one. So anyway, he picked up the glass, put it in the garbage, and he went home. A little while later, I got a phone call. I got a phone call from his father. The father was very angry. And the father said, Sir, some terrible man at your church forced, forced my little son to pick up glass with his hands from your parking lot. Someone forced him to pick up glass, and I'm really angry. What terrible man did that? I said, uh, sir, uh, what's your address? Could I come over and we can have a talk? So he gave me his address. I went over. I went over and had a meeting with the father and the son. And uh, I, I, I said, young man, um, did, did you tell your father who broke the bottles that caused all that glass? Did you tell your father who broke the bottles? No. I said, would you tell him who broke the bottles? And he said, Dad, um, I broke 
a bunch of bottles in the parking lot. And the father said, oh, you didn't tell me that before, son. <laughs> and then I said, uh, young man, um, I, hear, I hear that someone forced you to pick up the glass with your fingers. Um, could you tell your father how someone, someone gave you tools to pick up the glass so you would not hurt your hands? Could you tell him with what you picked up the glass? So then he told him, said, oh, the, he said, uh, you gave me, you gave me uh, a broom and, uh, and a dustpan and a garbage bag. So you didn't have to pick them up with your hands, did you? No, sir. Father looked at me and said, this is a different story <laughs> from what from what I initially was told. And so I, I said to his dad, I said, Sir, I, I'm the terrible man who forced your son to pick up the glass. But I said, I, I did it not so much for my benefit or the benefit of the church. I did it because I wanted to teach your son a lesson. And I said, I said, whether it's the church driveway or the church parking lot, whether it's your driveway or anyone else's driveway, obviously it's not right to go around breaking bottles. And so I, I kindly asked him if he would please pick up the glass using the tools that I provided. And I was grateful that he did as I asked. In fact, I said, he volunteered to pick up glass that he hadn't broken, but I said to him, I said, no, you didn't break those, that glass. I will, pick, I will pick that up. So I'm happy to say that I, I, left, I left their home that day, friends with his father. I don't know if I was friends with the boy, but I was friends with the father. And obviously I told you that story as an example of how one father's opinion uh, and anger changed dramatically when he got both sides of the story. Amen? Something that you might want to also know is this. Although Potiphar did not give Joseph a chance to tell his side of the story, According to the text, there's no indication that Potiphar uh, gave Joseph a chance to tell his side of the story. You might be interested in knowing this. A few Bible scholars think that if Potiphar had really believed that Joseph tried to rape his wife, the slave, Joseph, would have been killed. He would have been killed in their day and culture. The fact that Potiphar had Joseph put in prison may have been Potiphar's way of trying to save face and trying not to upset the whole family structure. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if Potiphar knew that his wife was less than trustworthy. Make sense to you? 
Well, we don't have time to get into the fourth truth today. I'll save it for another time. But I want you to just reflect upon the three truths that I've shared with you today. The first one was this. The Lord is with us when things are going well. And the Lord is with us in our very difficult times. In a moment as we sing this song, it may be that some of you want to spend some time at the altar praying and, and saying, Lord, you know what I'm going through, and I just need your reassurance. The pastor today from the scripture has reminded us of how you are with us. And maybe you want to pray and say, Lord, I, I, would you just reassure me of your presence during this very difficult experience and time in my own life. Then secondly, we talked about how sometimes we have to fight off sexual temptations. Now, I understand, of course, that I don't think anyone's going to want to come up to the platform or at the altar and say, well, you know what, I've really been battling this, battling off this woman or battling off this man, okay? But quietly, you know what's been happening in your life. And you may want to pray and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me. Thank you for helping me to not cross the line. Thank you for helping me to stay out of trouble. Thank you for helping me to, to um, enable my family and friends to keep trusting me. And Lord, may you continue to give me wisdom, guidance. Help me so that I know what to do, what not to do. Help me to, do, help me to, to flee when I need to flee. Amen? And then the third truth we talked about is Take time to hear what happened from both people, both sides, before making a decision and taking action. It's possible, it's possible that recently, recently you, you acted upon what one person told you and um, you didn't give someone else a chance to really tell their side of the story. And it's become very awkward, very difficult. Maybe you want to take some time and pray and say, Lord, help me. Help me to straighten out this situation. Help me to really hear both sides of the story and to properly deal with whatever the situation is. Amen? And through it all, my friends, we all have to be reminded to give to give our heart to Jesus, to say, dear Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I want to be in the center of your will. And that starts by us repenting of our sins, asking God to forgive us for our sins. And we can be forgiven because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And if as yet you have not repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus, this can be the great day when you take that step and you can step forward and kneel at this altar or stand around the altar and say, Lord, 
on this particular Sunday, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Here I am. Let's stand. Let's stand and sing. And those of you who wish to come and pray, you come. We love you. Best of all, Jesus loves you.